keep audio just in case that one base that you needed is, is necessary so anyway we're on uh, here talking I, I'm so I'm thinking about how funny it is that we have the most amazing conversations in the morning when we get up at times and then we sit down and say we should talk about this on and have a podcast and talk about it and we sit down the podcast like what were we talking about <laughs> so I mean we got things to talk about and so this is Greg and Tanya you can say hi I suppose hi and I didn't know we were even on, but hey. Well, you know, what better way to come online than unknowingly? Um, that's that's Sometimes the way the world crazy. lives these days. We're unknowingly online all the time. Either Siri or Alexa is Oops, listening. Scary. It used to just be your old aunt, whoever, but now, you know. <laughs> be careful, aunt so-and-so might be listening. Especially, I grew up on a, um, a literal party line. So people could yeah, literally yeah. pick up. I never had line. one, but I know about them. I mean, because we came, I came from the burbs, so we never had party lines. We might have. I don't know. Maybe I was just too young to know. Too... Well, we were in the rural area, so there wasn't any choice. But it was interesting because you legit could hear somebody on the other end, and you might even say, um, I'm on the phone or something like that. It didn't last real long, but I just remember. And the, the really bad part of it is about it, if I tried to call my home and there was and it, there was a clog in the line either somebody else on the line for some reason it would be busy at, at whatever forever so i'd be left at school because i couldn't get anybody to answer or the or the line was busy i can't remember if like if they were talking on another phone in that party if you couldn't also get through my home i feel like that's was true All right because it would in other words didn't have to be somebody on the phone in my house it could be on the party so it was really hard and so you know it was a similar idea though and to make fun of those like on lucy where they or i don't i think lucy but probably isn't some of the old shows where they have the operators listening in you know yeah. <laughs> but it's not Goss so another gossip would get out because away. the operator's sitting on, sitting on the line going come over here listen yeah exactly <laughs> yeah funny, but Speaking of listening in on things and all the stuff, we've been doing, um, I just thought I heard mom being called out in the background, so we'll just have to check because we still have children. <laughs> it's just it's the way things are. Anyway, we're, I want us to talk about, um, or we're going to talk about uh, a lot today. I, I, I taught on Sunday about where our focus should be as followers of Christ and what it means to be. A Christian in crazy times. Um, I talked about the week being insane, um, and I and I tied that in. I started. I mean, obviously, the modern week of last week was very descriptive of what you described the road to Emmaus times. Yeah, I tied saying. it. I tied it into the road to Emmaus, and 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 um, because really it was. It was the same kind of thing. There had been political unrest. People didn't know what to think. They were scattered. They scattered. Okay, um, I want to stop here, though. And stop. I want to say, well, there have been some Christians out there who kind of act like we see Donald Trump as our savior, quote-unquote. I, I absolutely disagree with that. On the one hand, I believe God has put him in a place, or had put him in a place, to help some of the policies that we've stood on for so long but haven't been able to push through. And he's a strong man, and he's been able to literally get some of that done. On that, so on that side, he has helped us. On the other side, I believe this is. I woke up to this revelation the other day. Why do I kind of miss that? Why do I 
because I didn't always, I didn't like to listen to him speak that much. I didn't feel like he, you know, um, he was, he had definitely some offensive wording now and then, or just, he wasn't presidential in his presentations, but something about him being in the presidency gave me some sense of uh, safety. And I think it's because he's strong. He was humbled before God from what we understood of him, as well as he did truly speak for the common person because he had come from nothing and was um, there now, you know, in, in a place of strength. So it occurred to me, it's kind of like when I used, when I was growing up, my dad drove a truck and so sometimes he would be gone um, long days or nights. Um, when he would come home, when he was asleep in the house, there was just a sense of safety. It wasn't that he was, I don't even know if he would have woken up maybe if there was an actual emergency. I don't know if he'd been the first one to hear it, but there was a feeling of safety because he slept in the home or at, you know, when I, when right. he was at home, I felt safe. Well, it was kind of the same idea when Donald Trump was there representing us. He was strong. He, he seemed um, like nothing could really attack his person, take down his, his desire to stand up for those who he was speaking for. So it felt kind of safe in yeah. that sense. I never saw him as a savior. I do see that he led and helped our country, to me, get a little closer to pleasing God in some areas. So I think that might be, you know, a little bit like a, a general leading us forth that, that is standing on God's principles, such as George Washington did, or whatever, you know, the idea that a leader that's strong, that's trying to do what God has called them to do, gives you that sense of we're going forward, we're not going backward, we're also, you know, um, we're sensing that we are in the right direction, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But it, it kind of breaks my heart when people have attacked him. He's not our savior. We, I, I've never seen him. Well, and you're, but so I you're, jumping, in, you're I jumping in with the question of how Christians have handled Donald Trump. Well, I was, and I was, so I think you know you've already let the cat out of the bag that we were we supported Trump, and I and I well no, and I don't I, mind that. I mean that's, that's I was approaching it as if when we're talking about the road to Emmaus, that was a week where our Savior died on a cross, and He had come to be God, um, represented on this earth to us under for us to understand and see God in in the sense of who He wanted us to uh, trust in. You know, be so that's not the same to me. That's what I'm trying to say by this. Yeah, no. The road to no, Emmaus the only, was yeah, the, a response to what just happened here, and it was a earth-shattering event, a completely yeah, absolute different event than was in yeah, the United States. They're similar in the political aftermath, and that's what I was trying to point out. The the, the culture and the and the political aftermath between what happens in the road to Emmaus and what happened last week in Washington. Well, really, what's been happening in 2020, yeah. or what happened in last year because we I mean, last time we sat down and talked was about middle of the month of the year it was about may and um and it was you know kind of interesting that you know we were just thinking oh wow this stupid virus thing then the george floyd thing went crazy and the world collapsed all the way through up until today we're still kind of in collapse mode um the political upheaval was insane what happened when jesus was crucified was similar political upheaval was going on and um, the people who uh, supported him were scattered, and well, there was a lot of there was a lot of a lot of strong opinions yeah. that existed before Jesus came on the scene, and Jesus lit a fire under those opinions, 
and, and divided harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he polarized. Trump in the same way was a very polarizing figure. Just he's not Jesus. I and agree. I think that's what well, upset I, what a lot I of the church was is, they felt like people were treating him like he was. Well, and, and we what are I was trying that. to say is I don't think it matters whether you, and maybe we should start with, should have started with, I don't think it matters whether you support President Trump as a president or not. I believe whether or not uh, they would be honest about it, the people in our country felt safe with Donald Trump at the head. And I wonder how they feel now. Well, I'm just yeah. only speaking in the sense that he's a strong man who stood up on all platforms for the United States. He did not give in to China. He did not quell the, uh, the wishes of a million different groups and others. So I'm just saying I have a feeling no matter what side of the spectrum of political realm you fall on, there was a sense of we had a true leader. We haven't had a really strong, true leader in that sense for quite some time, or I, I would argue that. Some of them may have led us some places, but most of them have had more talk than they've done anything. This president did quite a few things and did what he said he would do in quite a few areas. So I'm just saying there was a sense of, wow, he might actually stand up for us, wow, he might actually uh, not take us to war or protect us in, in this or that sense. I feel like across the board, people have said that. They, you talked about that, people getting in your car. And even if they really don't come down on a, a strong, maybe Republican side or whatever, they, they would say, or as many of them said, they saw strength in Trump and, and saw him at least follow through with what he was saying he would do, yeah. which gives us a sense, I'm just saying, of, a, of leadership you can sort of count on or rely on a little bit. So I think that's the difference, though, with the road to Emmaus time frame in the Bible is that they literally didn't have any other leaders. They had a few political leaders, a few church leaders or priests or whatever that would have been semi-sort of. But then they had Rome, who was um, a complete tyrant over them. They had no say, right? So for what Jesus tried to say, I'm your king, and then died in front of them under Roman rule, that had to have been even a lot more confusing and disheartening and devastating than we are dealing with right now. It's not the same at all in those ways. No, I mean, and that, just a political that's upheaval. the point of the whole message on Sunday was I, all hell broke loose. Right. Pick a time, <laughs> you know, pick a, pick a decade, pick a um, well, 1960s they, they uh, for America. They did have the same emotions, I'm sure, because yeah, of what I was saying. Well, yeah, emotion. And, and this is what I was trying to gather. I mean, in, in my, in my, message, one of the points I wanted to drive home is um, something that uh, Lathan pointed out in Bible study that his friend um, uh, Leon Chamerhorn says all the time. He says, uh, uh, desire is a poor or uh, is a poor moral compass. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it's, there's truth in that, that, that we need to be careful. Was it passion or desire? I took notes. Let's see what it was. Yeah, desire makes for a poor moral compass. And um, I know Leon isn't the one that originated that, but he definitely spoke it into Lathan's life, and Lathan's been clinging to it. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think that that's, there's a lot of um, there's power in that, and that's the point I was making in the sermon, which is what triggered the conversation, was that, um, that we ca- cannot be governed by desire. When you, when you let your desire, your just desire to lash out, to, 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 to speak vengeance, or to, to just you know, punch is my, so, not the stage. Um, the, uh, you, you don't, you've reason has gone out the door. 
Um, I, I, I talked about, you know, when, when you're, when you give over to your anger, or to your desires, the only thing you have left is punitive. I'm going to force you to behave a certain way or to think a certain way. And, um, and that's was the whole upheaval. So that's why the Capitol was run over. That's why all the riots broke out this summer. All of that was passion running amok. There was no logic in any of it. It's just, I'm angry and I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. And temper tantrums burned down buildings, broke Capitol windows, killed people. Um, this summer, I mean, all police officers died. Uh, so, uh, and, but not, it's just, it was insane. And it's because people were being governed by their carnal, their very, their gut passions. As followers of Jesus, we're not called to be governed by compassions. We're called to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Compassions? Passions, not compassions. Compassion should run. Compassion <laughs> to be governed by our passions. passions. I don't know how come got into our space, our but <laughs> yeah, as Christians, we are to be compassionate and governing by the passion from the Holy Spirit, but okay. not our own passions. Because James um, one tells us that uh, for that tells us that anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Because we don't have a sense of what's right and wrong. We are we're polluted with our own desires because to, you know to say that everyone last week at the capital of the hundreds of thousands of people that were there a thousand some odd people broke into the building maybe a hundred of them with malice the rest of them were like following the passion of the moment no i, I would be very disappointed to find out that there was any thinking rational believer in there um enacting on those things now, and i the want to qualify one... thinking rational believe there <laughs> well, the was one person one that we went heard... in there and prayed or something the go ahead we, yeah we heard interviewed said he walked in because it seemed to be kind of just uh invited and almost pushed in and then couldn't just deal with what to do or didn't know what to do but he ended up with a group in the senate chambers praying which i think if nothing else if you're going to use that time and even if he was arrested he would find it worth it because all they did was pray well and then on there the were other only hand a few that actually incited much of the actual violence yeah. that happened the rest walked in maybe that's illegal i don't know it's supposed to be the people's house so that's kind of questionable but in walking in prayer is obviously something god could have ordained in those moments to yeah. say so since you guys did this, come on over here. Let's. I well, mean, and, and it depends on which side of the building. God may have escorted them in for that. It depends on which side of the building he came in from. Yeah, from exactly. what I understand from one reporter <laughs> who uh, I think was with Blaze uh, reporting, uh, he uh, said there was one side of the Capitol building that both the east and the west perimeters were, were breached. But one, the police opened the door and let them in, and the other side, they pushed the doors down. So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a big building. It very easily could happen that they would have two different ideas about things. Yeah. What that well, means, again, the police let them in. Maybe they got pushed back and they just opened the door well, again, rather than have it smashed in. But nonetheless, so somebody just walked in thinking it was open. Is all because I, was I, I know also there are times when you are invited to go in and listen to the House and Senate chambers. You can go in. Yeah, that's what the gallery is for. Yeah. So I'm confused really as to when it is completely shut down, as in locked down, uh, as to whether or not those police officers might have even known if it was supposed to be not yeah. Their, they had zero zero protections, very little protections for that event when it was known that there was going to be this massive rally. And today there's 20,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. <laughs> to make sure that the inauguration goes off without a hitch, the virtual inauguration. But I, I think... Um, I'm so I wonder if there'll be a virtual protest. I, I'm just curious. Anyway, there already is. Are you kidding? I mean, you know. I'm just saying. I, it's again. Things. This just goes back to it. There is chaos um, running amok, and we are not supposed to be purveyors or promoters of chaos. We're supposed to be. God spoke into chaos in creation. Um, he 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 um, 
in the beginning, he looked over the waters. The waters in the Old Testament represent chaos. And God spoke organization to chaos. We should live our lives in such a way to where we bring order out of chaos. We should go, and when we go and we speak to people and talk to them about Jesus, we're offering them peace. We're offering them a settling of their minds. We're offering them a sense that you don't need to live in a chaos of confusion. You asked me before we turned on the podcast about um, the Holy Spirit, you know, speaks to us and he's supposed to bring us peace. You know, what do we do when people aren't paying attention or not responding to that? Well, there's nothing we can do. They have the freedom. Our freedom as human beings is that the offer is made, the choice is ours. And so, you know, people are going to... No, I was talking about when um, the Bible talks of understanding, is that on our our own understanding, or is that about his making it, like you're saying, offering it to us, and then people walking away from that understanding. That was from Luke 18. The question was the, about the seed that was planted... Yeah. I have too many sticky notes falling out of my Bible. Luke 15. Oh, you said Luke. I'm in Matthew. Well, <laughs> oh, I wasn't Luke. I went back too far. These skinny pages. What is a paper book anyway? Luke 18, it's parable no, of the persistent widow? No, that's what I just said. I questioned it on you. Okay, all right. right. I can wait. It's Matthew 13. Oh, that I was right. way off. <laughs> yeah. Why did I say Luke? I think I was in Luke for a different thing just a few seconds Mark, ago. Mark, <laughs> Matthew, so 11, 12, 13. Well, it was just about the seed. Oh, the parable of sower, which I referenced yeah. on Sunday as well. The seed yeah. that, from this was verse 19, it was actually about the enemy. When anyone hears, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So it just sounds as if it was the understanding from them or like we've thought of before, were they not willing to understand? Were they not seeking understanding? The Bible seems clear, and especially in the Psalms and Proverbs, where you're seeking understanding, you're seeking God. He is the understanding. So does that mean that them not having the understanding means that they weren't open to his will or to his understanding? Why was the evil one able to snatch that away? I think we've seen that a lot in our culture and, and even some that we've talked about as Christians in this climate who have turned away from the truth. They're not seeing truth. Right. And truth itself, Jesus said he is truth. If they walk with him, if they profess to be Christians, um, of course, we understand that definition to be a Jesus follower. How can they walk away or literally turn away from truth, from from one and from and I mean that on all aspects. From wanting to know the truth and not just arguing a, a right or a left version of something, but from wanting to hear and debate so that we can come to a truth or the actual truth. But also, literally in this election, we saw a lot of not truth, including what some would call fraud, that that caused a whole nation to go another direction from what we you know believed it was going so why why does it get so steered away from people seeing truth understanding truth believing and being able to discern what is real and what is you know what is truthful versus allowing um whatever fraud deception to go to run and not no one care and no one literally care or what it seems like it 
That's a lot of questions. Yeah, it was. Just... <laughs> well, it started with this understanding. Someone that where the word is planted, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. The evil one is the deceiver. Right. So that's what happens to me in even one who might say they are a Christian, but have opened themselves up to whatever, to the deception, to the evil one. Does that mean that they have closed their heart off to understanding or still the Holy Spirit not come to dwell there to, to give them understanding? Verse 19. Yeah, I'm 19. The kingdom doesn't understand the evil one comes to snatch it. Well, I think, I mean, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is what gives us understanding. So, I mean, we could get into a discussion about <laughs> sovereignty and election and those kinds of things. I think, um, you know, if someone's not, what you're asking why they don't understand, there's a couple of possible reasons. Well, they're so easily deceived. Yeah. I, well, I think, I still think it comes down to a battle of desires. Um, you know, I think if we're, if the Holy Spirit's going to open our eyes to see something, there needs to be a want to, we want to see. So, um, so we like want I to see truth versus what we want. Proverbs saying understanding, seeking, understanding is seeking God, wanting, wanting to. Do. Yeah, I, I think. Um, and then I talked about um, Timothy. Uh, let me see real quick for my notes the other day. This I added to my notes, tools, guides. Sorry, forgive me for a second here. Um, the right road. Open that up. I added to my notes um, on the. H on the YouTube podcast that I did, which is missing some audio, and I'm sorry for that. It was the first time I've done it that way. Um, just hang in there for about a minute and a half, and you can get back to the message. But um, second, uh, second Timothy, uh, time will come when will not. Second Timothy four three, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. And the thing that um, the, the word here is desires, and it's the Greek is epithumia which it literally means um, they're going to, uh, the synonyms for the word desire is lust or craving. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it comes in with the idea of a hunger for, for the flesh or things that make you satisfied or please you. It's very, it's very, I'm the center of the world centered. And so when someone gives you a truth and it doesn't please you, then you're faced with a choice. Do you want to go with what makes you feel better or do you want to accept the truth? Jesus didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and if you want to feel better, I'll bend to your will. <laughs> he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone wants to come after me, he will accept come that and, and he will come bend to his, and we will bend to his will. We'll come to, to come to the Father is to change wherever we are to wherever he is. And so I think the battle of desires is what happens here. And I think one of the things that, I mean, we could get into free speech, but one of the things that's a struggle is right now, just because of some of the internet shutdowns and stuff, I've noticed that there's kind of this gap in news. We only have one or two things that are being talked about there because there's not this open dialogue. People don't know how to talk or what to say. And so we aren't, we're, there's, there's no true slamming of ideas against one another it's just it's just accusing it's it's re resorted to battle it's re resorted to punitive punishment and some people are crying for free um and again we could do a whole podcast on what the damages are of taking away someone's ability to have an open forum <laughs> and but the simplest thing and the most accurate thing i've heard said is so what had the, what's the biggest damage that's done by shutting trump down off of twitter and and other hundreds of others, 13,000, some people they purged off of Twitter and then shutting down Parler and other apps. I'm sure if they could find ways to do it, that'll happen as well. Well, you drive people into these 
you take people from having an open forum, the fact that we're having this constant dialogue where they're speaking to one another or at one another or shutting down people because you're an idiot. I mean, if someone says your, your idea isn't biblical or your idea isn't sound, um, they get marginalized, but they're, they're in the conversation. So they, they feel they have a space to vocalize, even if they wind up being marginalized, they have a space that they can. Is it biblical? Well, I mean, if it's, a, if it's Christians, we're having these biblical conversations. If it's just in the public forum, it's, you know, your, your opinion's crazy or this. Okay. Even though those things are. But now what do you do is if you, if you say your opinion doesn't matter and you're shut out, now you begin to create this dark place where they can go and build up stuff. And then you've got all of these dark corners. And the next thing you know, they've got these people that aren't talking with no relationship. There's only violent recourse. So there's only punitive recourse. Where people are because they're, they're not talking they're not dialoguing if you're a human one of the points that i made on sunday was we can't dehumanize one another um christians should never dehumanize we shouldn't live in a we they world um for a believer it's love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself it's a little bit hard though explain to me how you do that when the, the jesus own words were we're not of this world so to some degree we already see them as aliens, them, you know, whoever them as. Well, but that and wasn't. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Just let me finish. As God has enlightened and helped us understand the point that Jesus was making and how to walk in this world, we it's it's a separation that we can't really control or think about, and yet we do, and we see that sometimes when quote common sense isn't there, we're like, mm, must be that the Holy Spirit's given us a, a kind of a deeper thought pattern or a you know broader perspective. Well. I think that's true. So there is sort of an us and them without us even trying. I know what you're saying in the fact that we cannot not see them truly as God's children who, who he wants to redeem to him, whether he's they're already redeemed or not. But Jesus kind of made it sound as if we're going to think differently. We are going to not be thinking the way the world thinks and in reality not be able to live you know, life the same way they live. We're not going to have the same ambitions, the same goals, the same desires for you to use that word. Well, Jesus also tells us in Matthew that um, if we are talking about someone and we call them a fool or an empty head or a raka, to use that terminology, then that's a that's a terrible sin. It's 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 unforgiving. It's which is that's what he's saying is if you consider someone as not human, as they're just. And that's dehumanization. To consider someone as of a different thought process or a different way of seeing things. Yeah, I think if you take Jesus and say, um, we are not of this world, he's acknowledging that we think of a kingdom that's higher than uh, the, the major point on Sunday. And I will always say is, and any believer in their right mind says, we are living in a situation, but we are not of the situation. We are in the American political scene. I could also, if I was English, be in the English American, in the English political scene, or I could be in the Chinese political scene if I was Chinese, but it's I'm okay. of the kingdom, but I'm of the kingdom of God. So the difference, and, and there's one other okay. thing I want to say real quick, hang on, um, is this. If you're to other someone or to make a we them or, or dehumanize someone is to say you're of no worth, your value is stupid, I don't want anything to do with you, you're scary and you're, I don't, I don't, I don't want a relationship with you. To be of the kingdom of God is to be willing to lay your life down for someone that's other than you, your enemy. You pray for your enemy. I you that. lay your life down for your enemy. So there's a. I understand what you're a, saying. I think what there's happens a humanizing is, thing that's still there. I, yes, when you confront someone directly. Christians would respond differently with someone in the room or someone right next to them than they might as an overall 
this is a group versus I'm in this group. You know, it's just a, it's a mentality we get into the us them thing where we see them as kind of a, a blur of out there. And then the only problem is, and I see this about myself, then when you actually confront a different line of thinking, it's difficult to separate that because now you've you've really kind of categorized there's these are people over here who think this way and then there's us who try to think this way or see you know a f- different picture based on biblical values or whatever when you confront that person you're not going to directly i believe that i mean now some breaching the capital may not believe that but i think some that uh if we were confronted with those what are you going to do with this person right in front of you we're not going to probably sock them in the face or we may not even we may get a loud I'd like argument, to think I would. but yeah. yeah. Somebody pushes so you in the, the other corner, you never know what loud, might happen. Yeah. But we'll likely see more about that person as a human than we would if we we're kind of in a generalized setting. But yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I think it's going to be difficult the further we go to not think that way. Just like we see even in the Bible where um, I think that may be why Paul and Peter chose their kind of people group to go talk to because they have more compassion for a group than another Mm -hmm. it's easier to do that sometimes when you when you feel kind of called to a setting or a or a people group or a person Um, many of our kids and in in our congregation have talked about particular people that they feel called to but as a group washington itself has been difficult to live in because of a political climate that seems to be against or at least uh, not really against, more almost too neutral. Like, sure, your God's fine. I'm I'm gonna worship mine and you yours and blah blah blah. You know, we can have all yeah. these not discussions basically. But um, but when they're talking about a particular person, first of all, they they get compassionate, but they also get very discouraged because someone won't listen or engage with what the truth is, and they legitimately turn away. So I think those callings yeah, in our lives. But that's where prayer comes from. That, but, that's what that's why we pray that's why we when you're when you're praying you're you're not it's it's not all about you you're praying for your enemy i mean when jesus says pray for your enemy he's he's saying hey um why are you coming to me to talk about your bad day and how you're frustrated that the world doesn't think about things the same way you do and yes. that all your neighbors and yeah yes. but is that the only reason <laughs> you go there and exactly if you don't have concern for your fellow man then you're not if you're not praying, let me just put it this way. If you're not praying for people besides yourself, then you're lacking in love for those people mm-hmm. because you're not expressing love before the lover of all kind, all mankind. And when you pray for your enemy and you ask the one who loves your enemy to bring blessing or clarity um, uh, or even to cut down if you're angry at your enemy. The Bible says, Jesus says, pray for your enemy, um, that their eyes would be open or that God will say, deal with them. Because there's you another know? angle to that because I was praying this morning about well, let me, let me, real quick, hold, the enemy's work. Well, I wanted to say with that, if you're not doing that, then um, what you're doing is, I, I said you're not showing love for them. You're also not giving God the opportunity to change your heart toward them. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and so that's the only thing I wanted to finish that thought with. I apologize for interrupting. No, you're right. Because the hard part about praying is, like so many of us have prayed through this election cycle, assuming that we understood what God's will looked like it might be. I, I guess that's the best way to put that, because we don't know what God's will is always, and we can not We can discern what we believe are, are his maybe issues in a political climate or his um, uh, directives. We know from Scripture we're to support Israel. We know... Uh, obviously the innocence of unborn babies would be on his agenda to defend Um, so some of those are are blatant but we've prayed that God would have the 
the preeminence, the power that, you know, would overcome. And yet we've been discouraged. But there's also so many times when you pray for a specific thing that um, God doesn't answer. And, and you can kind of accept it. Maybe it's a, a dying friend or it's a, a situation that you can't see the answer to. There's a certain amount of hope or, or like when you when you um, have to pray for someone and then they go ahead and pass away. You can have hope on the other side that God knew and, and knows when their time is and that's the best for them. And the whole situation seems confusing, but you can trust that. Then there's provisional things where you can see God provide or this or that come, you know, until you can kind of resolve and justify. There's things like this particular prayer, though, that are disheartening to people. So I was looking up a few minutes ago prayer and how to see that. And, you know, it's not as if... Um, from, uh, I think it was, let me see where it was, it Isaiah? No, it was, well, a couple things came to mind. I think there was one in Isaiah, and then about, um, or is God's arm too short to save, or is it, you know, or is it, but it's our iniquities that have separated us from God. That's actually Amos, I was reading this morning. Um, so we know that there's plenty of us that don't even pray from purity of, of knowing God's will because we're our own iniquities can separate us, you know. Then there's Daniel who prayed and was obviously one of the most godly men and close to God's heart. He seemed to have it together. Prayed. Yeah. No, God gave him that. Yeah. Said he were close to my heart. He answered him, came to him and talked to him. He prayed three times a day. Still ended up in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. Still ended up, you know, really seen by others as violating the laws of the land or whatever. And was legit thrown into a pit with lions. So we should see, I guess, as our prayers may not be answered one particular way, but it doesn't mean that God can't get the glory through our prayers and through answering those, just not maybe the way we think. I'm pretty sure Daniel would not have really desired to go down in the lions with the lions, but he ended up there and God still protected him. So to feel like that what I was trying to get at is um, we've talked about voting. We've talked about praying for a congressman, praying for these or that situations. These can all be exactly obedience. They can also be very discouraging because you feel like you do these things and nothing matters. Mm. We, I think that what but, I want to say by that is that our faith and our hope is not in our ability to pray or our ability to, to know that God even hears our prayers, but, to, but it's in God. It's to know that God is still sovereign. He is still the one season knows all and knows the best for us so that even like in former times with martyrs who carried the gospel you know had to smuggle it from place to place had to hide their allegiances most of the time and then ultimately still got um, burned at the stake or whatever they didn't see that their prayers the answer to their prayers was affecting whether or not God heard their prayers like that's what I'm trying to say but God was the ultimate ends and what he did or what he wanted, his will, still always best. So even if it seems as if in the middle of it, it's discouraging. We have to look and see further. We have to look and see the bigger picture, right? That's yeah. kind of what you were saying on Sunday, that the, the idea of us looking at the kingdom is bigger and broader than just well, even I, our country. <laughs> we, we were disappointed oftentimes in the last six months, eight year, a year, or even during the last entire presidency, if anything that Donald Trump was as a polarizing figure, he polarized Christians against one another at times because mm -hmm. we saw some of our most respected leaders frustrated at, enough at his um, rhetoric and language 
that um, they didn't want to have anything to do with anything that he was doing. Although, on the other hand, the actions of and of um, the policies were um, were beneficial and probably more conservative and more Christ honoring um, than we'd seen in in recent in decades. Years, yeah. And so, you know, you and I have been clear, and, and, I've, and I've said this clearly, and I've, I've always been a little, I think it also has something to do with how we view sheep, to use the term, the, the intellectual ability of people to grasp mm-hmm. and decide for themselves. And maybe you and I take it for granted that Christians are just um, are all thinking, or, yeah. they're all thinking people, and clearly they're not, and um, <laughs> not all Christians are thinkers. Um, we should all be thinking. Uh, we should all should be thinkers. Um, that's what we're challenged to be as followers of Jesus is to think, uh, to, is to take a step back, not be, to go back to where we started, not be driven by our passions, but be driven by the spirit of God, which means that we pause, we don't lose our cool. We pause and we reflect before we respond. And that reflection isn't just a, is it, well, we're going to have our moments. I mean, when something doesn't go, you and I have been married for a long time, um, and, there's more than enough times where we've responded before we reflected because we're close together and and what you feel about something you're passionate about it and we're all passionate about what we think about something in the beginning of a moment right. and when what we think is challenged our tendency is to respond harshly well, that's where we're, that's what's com- punitive but we if we blinded we take by a, our confusion and yeah. our confusion seems like the other person isn't hearing us in reality there's just a an actual literal disconnect in our well the, the, I think that I think the reason that the Bible tells us that we need to be careful about getting angry too quickly um, mm-hmm. is because we're all broken somehow <laughs> and so we're not going to give the right response even if, if you're angry because you're confused and nobody's listening or you're angry because you want your way mm-hmm. and nobody will let you have it it doesn't matter the anger is still coming from a, a selfish motive. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even I want to understand is selfish because I'm important here. Well, for you to stop and say, you know what, this person just didn't get me and I'm okay with that. We'll work it out over time. That's an unselfish response. And that's not our, that's generally not our go-to. It takes a lot of work and training and humility that a lot of people don't get to in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm not good at it with the people I'm closest to. I'm better at it with strangers, <laughs> which I don't understand why that's the case either, but it is, um, but, well, I think we, we assume each other thinks the same. And we probably do think very similarly, but we to communicate that is very difficult. And, and I was sharing with, um, I think it was my dad, that, that sometimes even with God, that, that there's, a, there's a closeness. So there's a frustration. There's a, I thought you knew what I wanted, you know, kind of, uh, and knew what I was thinking or knew what, you know, that you need to be able to be honest with God and, and admit to, I, I'm upset, I don't like this, you know. But that doesn't break up the relationship. That doesn't mean that we walk away. It, right. it means we continue to try to understand because we do love and we do yeah. extend grace to you. That's the thing. Because I, you are first in the sense of relationship, yeah. not it's my It's real ideas, important to understand so. that there's a lot of room because we have a lot of forgiveness. Because yeah. Jesus, the Bible tells us, because we have been forgiven much, we should also be willing to forgive as Christ forgave, which much. And so, you know, these are governing principles that allow us to be stupid and recover. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the doctrine of the culture right now, if you're stupid, there's no recovery. If you have any history out there, mm-hmm. any history, when you're 12, if you said a bad word to your mother, 
you can never be forgiven. You're a hater of mothers. Um, and so, uh, I mean, it sounds stupid, but there's a lot of truth to it. It's, it seems that dumb sometimes, some of the things we hear people getting, what's the word, canceled for. Um, but uh, for us as believers, we're not supposed to, you know, it's interesting, it just occurred to me, canceled, to cancel someone, is literally a good forward bringing of that scripture that to call scripture. someone raka or fool mm. or to dismiss them as a human being. That's canceling them. That is a need to think about that one a little bit yeah, more. Um, I don't want to be a part of Raqqa culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. But, the, uh, well, but that's also, it's referring to each other as fools. So we do have to be careful because we we believe there are some foolish lines of thinking out there, but it is deception. Again, it's the yeah. enemies deceiving in order to bring people away from God and God God's thought patterns and God's love for them. It's, it's in order to steer you know the the enemy takes them further and that is foolish thinking it's way far away from god but it doesn't mean that person is not redeemable themselves it means that thought process should be uh, well it should be exiled to the okay. wind but importantly the bible draws a difference a differentiation between a fool and someone who's ignorant a fool yeah, is someone a fool is someone who thinking. refuses that correction they're going to stick with their own desires that passage i read from you from timothy mm-hmm. they're going to che- seek out right. teachers that agree with them yeah. versus someone who's just ignorant is now informed of the truth and, and says i need to adjust and so that. there's a difference from that a crisis of belief right? yeah well another word another word of that is crisis of belief when you hear god say something to you why are you going to respond to it or not um, we tend to we tend to apply that one to god's asking you to do something big and you're not so sure that you want to follow after that which is the same thing just on a different scale excuse me um but uh real quickly we're we've been going at this for a a while and uh so i want to uh wrap it up the the with a few thoughts one of them was um that we talked about what to do and and the way i talked on sunday i really really want to reiterate that you have three things to consider when it comes to and you brought it out of matthew a minute ago what do we do is we need to, how do we respond? There's a lot of people who feel health, helpless out there about what to do. Nothing changes in our world as to what we're supposed to do. On the political scene, if you're called to politics, go for it. We need people in politics right now. You know, that's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a job, but it isn't the reason you exist. If you're in politics, you're in politics to represent the values of the kingdom of God. If you're in plumbing, you're there to represent the values of the kingdom of job, do the job of plumbing or do the job of politics. I just do them because they're peas. Um, then that's fine, but do that. But you're still there to represent Jesus. But in your, when it comes to representing the kingdom of God, it's either and representing what matters in this world. It's either about Jesus or it's about nothing at all. I said that um, Sunday and I'll say it again. If it's not about Jesus, it's not about anything that's going to last. America's not going to last. It's not going to usher us into the kingdom of God. I hate to say that because it's a pretty cool place, but it's better than previous kingdoms, but it isn't the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's made improvements because of the influence of Christianity on it and in the world, but it's still flawed. It's still human. It's coming from a place of impurity. I think we've had a different understanding of this country being established on Christian principles is the only one that we know of as far as the entire world that's ever been established that way. And I think that's what gives us a little bit of a more of a disheartening right. other than God calling Israel as his own and that being established from basically yeah. and for uh, Abrahamic times. The United States is the only one that I'm aware of that people drew away to begin a nation because of the freedom to worship him. Yeah. So that itself makes us different. And it also makes us more disheartened that we've been given over to the enemy to some degree. 
So I think that where where uh, we just get discouraged about continuing to pray, which the Bible says you also to pray and not lose heart. Maybe that was that. In fact, it was. It was Luke 18, I think. Um, we we ought always to pray and not lose heart. So that's direct instruction from Scripture. Don't lose heart, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke 8, 18, 1. Um, and he gave the illustration of the widow going before the judge. We keep asking. But there's also the, the sense that what about our vote? Does it even count these days? Oh, that's another well, conversation. But yeah, yeah go it's ahead. a whole other conversation. The problem is we voted. We, we voted really hard. A lot of us got out more than has ever, and it still didn't seem to matter. So the things that those, that sense of coming against us, that's where we are a defeated sense right now. But you're exactly right. The only way to overcome that is to see where we're not defeated, I think. Well, and where we're not defeated is that the kingdom of God still reigns and yeah. rules and and actually has jurisdiction over our nation, whether our leaders right now, at least the new leaders, want to admit to that. God yeah. still rules. So that's where you were saying, I think your second or one of your other points is to pray for our congressmen and our... We need to pray we for our leaders. Because we still should pray for the ones who still can make a difference and I still looked in the, can those, speak his name. I looked in the admonition to pray for those in leadership hasn't moved out of my pages. So it's still in the Bible. And so oh, okay. <laughs> we have that responsibility, oddly enough. I will say one thing about the voting thing. I don't think that the voting thing, the lack, the frustration that people have with wondering about whether their vote counted, um, I think is more linked to the apparent lack of curiosity about the possibility of voter fraud and that that's a that's a um you know that's a question that we need to deal with moving forward on a political scene is there i just don't like that statement that's to me you don't like what i'm obvious. saying obvious yeah well, no, no i don't no, because I, I said i said that question is a lack of security go yeah, ahead let me just finish it feels very wimpy to just keep saying Going forward, we should be questioning whether our. Oh, you don't know, like that you know, it's statement. Just, it's just irritating. We can't do anything but go that. forward. So I'm saying that, that in that but regard. But they were proving how just in recent pasts there's been a lot of fraud, and yet all of a sudden now this one doesn't seem to matter that there was a lot of fraud, um, in you know elections in the past. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. this what I'm saying is this. At this date, at this stage, regardless of whether there was fraud, it's. Not, nothing's happening of significance. So the question moving forward is, then the concern that people have that caused them to question the trusting of a vote is is because there hasn't been a lot done, will there be? Right. The question exactly. is moving forward, why and do we have such a lack of curiosity about have. it? There's always fraud. There's always it to prayer, some degree. Prayer is all we have, though, when we feel Thank like you. it Thanks is out of I'm our hands here. to even question things. And that's what has felt in this election mm-hmm. like uh, we're helpless right but well there's we're not helpless in the case of in the case of in the case right. of a murder if you can if you find that someone's gone missing you know we have suspicion that something's happened but unless someone's willing to investigate it there's there's nothing legally that's going to happen so the same thing is true that's in this case there's lots of evidence it's it's a it's a <laughs> what i'm saying is there's a lot of evidence that something's gone on sure that's been you know clearly pointed out i don't have any argument with that not with what 70 percent of americans who think that but unless someone can begin to come up with these things i don't know i don't know what's going on happen there but again to point back to what you said because i don't want to spiral off into that direction (laughs) um you know it's we have to pray and and our willingness to believe that god can there's two things that god two ways well there's a couple ways god can answer our prayers he could reveal something 
significant as a right and course correct our country, which is what we were diligently praying for. And he still can. One thing I'm going to put out there, you and I have gotten rent check payments five days past the day. It seemed they should have been there and still was okay. And God provided that. So it's not as if God on his own timeline cannot come in late at the last second or whatever. So that's still a possibility. Well, sure. I'm not... God can do what God will do whenever he does it. And we have to be okay with that because God's timing is God's timing and it's right. Um, don't, I'm not just yes. confused by your look right now. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that uh, yes. our faith in understanding when God doesn't not only, when the word of God says something to us that disagrees with us, is our passions or desire going to be what drives us or is our willingness to bend to whatever he's doing in the moment going to drive us? Same is true when it comes to our prayer requests. Are we going to lose or diminish our faith in him because he doesn't answer our prayers exactly the way we want to? Or are we going to seek him and, and look for understanding as to why he didn't act according to our desires? Yeah. Okay, because if God's, God's, God has a lot, I'm pretty sure he has a better view of the universe than we do. And based upon that, I have to say to myself, I can't see from my little corner in the, of the United States what God's doing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, okay. And and so as a result of that, I, I have to decide if I'm going to trust that yeah. in my prayer time that he's doing what he's doing and I'm going to try and bend myself according to whatever that is. We're, one of the things I pointed out on Sunday was that he will not leave us in the dark for long. In other words, and for long doesn't mean for 20 minutes or for two years. It could be he tells us in the end of times, he's not going to leave us in the dark. We'll understand as there are kind of going to come a time, a point in time in history where we will go, that's what he was doing. You and I have been around long enough to go, okay, I can see what God was doing in the life of our children or in the life of that person or this person. Um, but there's still things we're trying to figure out. And we've also been through a few election cycles and um, we've also been frustrated. I can still remember different times where there was elections that didn't go the way we wanted them to. And we're like, look back on them and go damage was done things didn't happen but god's still sovereign we've seen yeah. god be sovereign no this matter one what's feels happened a little different but I it understand does what you're saying. I, well I'm, I'm saying god yeah it feels a little different and we could be living in the demise of our country who knows um that could be that's I one of the ways god could be saying lightly, that you know. like, i'm not saying that like i'm just I'm not saying trying <laughs> don't take don't me lightly i'm not trying to, to say that i just way. am trying to say there's a lot of reasons to be a little bit discouraged right now there's also a lot of reasons to not hang on to that discouragement and move forward from what God has promised us as well as where um, possibilities lie and hope lies. And I believe that's what you were saying in, in the sermon, that we we must look at what God is doing at a broader picture. The Emmaus Road is a good illustration of that. They could not see what God was doing. But at that point, he hadn't even risen. Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet. Um, and just then was revealing himself as being risen. So it was as if... They still weren't seeing what he was actually doing, and God had to open their eyes to it. So I do, I, I'm excited about that because I have to keep hoping that there's something bigger that he's doing, and that this country is still his and has been set aside for him. And there's enough people in this country praying and and seeking his face and turning from their wicked ways and trusting in him, as Second Chronicles says. So that we can see him save our land, but it'll be up to him and for his glory when he does that, not for any one man or any persons, uh, you know, to be held up high. So I'm thankful for that because I feel like that's maybe even what he's doing is getting people out of the way so he can save us. But he can save us in a multi 
number of ways, and one of those yeah. is just his kingdom. Is I just, you know, <laughs> in this, uh, to just Donald Trump to use one more time where he's an example. The guy came up out of nowhere. Nobody thought he was going to be the president of the United States. And I can still remember, and even to this day, go, I can't believe that it'll always be known as a President Trump out there. Mm-hmm. It just, it was, yeah. it was, it came from nowhere and it succeeded. And I'm using him as an it at this moment because it's, it's an event that happened in our cult and our history. Who knows what the next event is going to be? Well, and, and what, and what, what God's going to do. And I'm not, again, this is regardless of him. God can quote Trump, his own Trump. (laughs) And God Trump is Trump card. Was it his Trump card? I don't know. Anyway, I, I just, I'm just, no, I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, God's astounded us with things and, and he, and, and I think we should be looking forward to the next time he, he's going to astound us. Um, Absolutely. I sent something to the girls this morning that I think we could probably end on. Okay. The bottom line to us, to our job, to our commission, like you gave us on uh, Sunday through this message of our um, holding close to him, of holding on to his promises and trusting in him, but also praying, doing the things we can do, having influence around us, is for us to remember who we are. From the Heidelberg Catechism, the question that they would ask the children is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And there to answer, I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's a good way to wrap this up, too. So I'm going to, for anyone who listened, thanks for tuning in. For anyone who didn't, you don't know, so why am I saying anything at all? Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I keep on